Welcome to I Caught It on Audio. This is Water Cooler Chat Episode 24, Oppenheimer. Welcome to I Caught It on Audio. We're going to gather around the water cooler today and have a chat about the movie Oppenheimer. Uh, this is a movie that came out this summer, um, directed by, screen written by, and produced by Christopher Nolan. Um, it is about the physicist um, whose name is Oppenheimer. I can't think. Uh, it's Robert Oppenheimer, right? J. Robert. J. Robert Oppenheimer. That's right. And it's kind of uh, goes through the story of his involvement in the Manhattan Project and the creation of the of the atomic bomb. Uh, it kind of has three storylines going. It's got that one. It's got the story of um, Strauss. The uh, who is in his Senate hearings. Yes, he's uh, trying. He's yeah, it's a hearing to to approve him for some sort of post. I can't remember what Secretary the post of is. Commerce. Okay. Yes, that's right. And then there's also the uh, the love story and um, his relationships with um, with women. I guess in general. I just watched this uh, two nights ago. When when was the last time you guys each watched it? I also watched it like two or three nights ago. For the first time? Yeah, first time. Uh, it was a few weeks ago, maybe a month. And Matt, I know you've uh, you've seen it a couple times, right? Yeah, I saw it in the theater twice, and it would have been like the week after it came out and the week after that, so yeah. a while ago now. Okay. Um, so what, uh, Matt, since you're the fuzziest on it, why don't you tell us what you, what you thought about it? Well, I really liked it. I, I loved the nonlinear storytelling. I really like when we can pop back and forth on a timeline and get new information every time. Um, I loved uh, Oppenheimer and the supporting cast around him and how prevalent it was. The uh, like the politics of it all was just as important as building the bomb. Mm -hmm. I love the respect the scientists had for other scientists from other countries and how they're like, well, you guys think that we're going to just do this. Everybody else is just as close as we are. Right. Yeah. I just love the movie in general and it didn't feel like the, the three or how a three hour or however long movie yeah, it was. You just kind of just over a minute over three hours. Yeah. You just moved through it pretty quickly and, and flawlessly. All right. Dan, what did you think of the movie? Oh uh, well, I yeah I agree. It it um it didn't feel slow or it didn't feel long. I mean, it wasn't exactly like breakneck pace, but it didn't feel like it was too long. Um, although I will say, I think the weakest part was probably the third act. I just didn't really. I mean, it was kind of like a a fun thing at the end there with the with the Senate hearing um, when they sort of focused on that and the sort of the culmination mm -hmm. of his getting his approval for his um you know, security badge or whatever it was, the, mm -hmm. uh, the, this, the, uh, the interview process, which also frames the story. I thought those were fine, but didn't seem to be maybe important enough to be the sort of, uh, climax of the movie. Cause I feel like the climax of the movie is when the bomb goes off. Yeah. It was interesting that they had a whole hour after that. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was amazing up to that point. Um, and after that it was fine, but it felt a little more like an Aaron Sorkin movie almost. Like, oh, like yeah. sort of a uh, 
bunch of conversations the, and cleverness, you know, this is, this is how politics works type thing. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of a, a like a, a little bit like West wing or, or maybe, mm-hmm. um, some, something like that. I don't know. Um, it, and it wasn't bad. It, it was, it was, a, it was fun, but it didn't really have much heft to it. I thought the performances were all pretty great. There were some interesting choices with the visuals sort of try to express visually what, what goes on in the brain of someone who's thinking, um, I thought that was pretty cool. Really, I have, I have no complaints. I uh, I didn't. I don't know that I loved the movie. Um, I don't know if that was the point of the movie or not. But it was really admirable. And the only weakness I would say is that it tapered. That last hour just didn't wasn't quite on the level. I mean, it's interesting to see him grapple with his his doubts and and um, his sort of uh, um, fear of of what he had un- unleashed upon the world and right. you know his part in that because I found the first couple hours just really really great but yeah that's what I thought um, Zach you want to give your thoughts next uh, yeah so I really loved the acting on it uh, I thought I think pretty much everybody in there did a great job and it was fun seeing you know people like uh, Josh Hartnett and. And Matt Damon, to a degree, kind of come back out of the woodwork. Um, both of those guys haven't, like, I mean, Matt Damon gets a lot of work, but, um, he, you know, he hasn't really been in the limelight too much uh, lately. Um, but uh, I like, you know, seeing them come out. I like seeing Robert Downey Jr. do something um, different than Iron Man. Not Iron Man. <laughs> yes, uh, that was really cool. Um, I've always loved Killian Murphy. I'm glad that he finally got got some, uh, some real, real... Uh, screen time to to really prove himself and and show off um who you know who he is as an actor uh and he he absolutely took over the role like he i you know i don't know how j robert oppenheimer actually is in real life but um but i i felt like i was watching him and not killian murphy try to be him uh, so I thought that was pretty cool as well. Um, there, there's no question that christopher nolan is is an amazing director um he he does everything so meticulously. It's like really, really important how he frames everything, how he um, constructs the scenes and stuff. But I kind of felt on this one, um, you guys are absolutely right. Like the three hours didn't feel long, but I didn't feel like the story that's here needed to be three hours to be told. And I kind of, I kind of wished it would have, it would have sort of like cleaned up a little bit in the editing. Um, that being said, I can't really pick art out specific uh, pieces that I thought needed to be removed. Um, but I just kind of, I got the feeling as I was going through this thing that um, he needs to work with people that give give him resistance on things. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm getting a sense. I hate to make this comparison of like, um, George Lucas with the, uh, the prequels because there's, there's really not a, a, a good comparison to make with that. But, I know exactly uh, what you're saying. Uh, yeah. I, I, I feel like he's gotten to the status as a director that he can kind of do whatever he wants. And that's a problem because, uh, at, at some point he's going to, he's going to keep going and going and going when he shouldn't. And there isn't going to be somebody that is there to say no, or there is. And he's just going to be say, you know, I'm, I'm Christopher Nolan, bitch. You, you have to do exactly what I say. Don't, you know, I'm going to do it regardless. There's going to come a point where he's just going to make avatar movies over and over again. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. while, well, I don't necessarily <laughs> think that's, that's this movie. Um, I did get the sense that it's going in that direction. And, mm-hmm. uh, and also I kind of, I'm really, 
I'm curious to hear what you guys' thoughts are on like, what's the, what's the point of this? What's the purpose? Because we already know that nuclear weapons are not good, not good for society, not good for, you know, anyone, certainly not good for Hiroshima and Nagasaki, the people that were killed there. Didn't work out for those guys. Um, so I'm, I'm curious, like what, what is the full, what's the real purpose for doing a movie like this to explore, like the fact that it's, it's, it's troubling that when you go down this path, uh, of potential mass destruction of the entire planet, of all the people on it, um, that there's moral ambiguity. I mean, I mean, I, I just didn't really get the sense that it was giving any, anything new, beyond like the performances and the you know the high art of of the the craft of of filmmaking that's kind of where that's kind of where i land on this one I, i'm i'm sort of in the same boat as as dan where i it was it was i thought it was a good movie i enjoyed the the going through it i just don't really i just didn't love it like i've loved other christopher nolan movies yeah i i'm i'm in the same boat as as you and dan i think um it it was definitely very well made and it i don't doubt it gets nominated for several oscars but for me i didn't care about a, a lot of the characters like obviously the oppenheimer character I cared about and um i thought emily blunt was fantastic as mm-hmm. uh, kitty oppenheimer yeah but i didn't care about um the general i didn't care about strauss i didn't care about uh the mistress like when, when she killed herself, I was like, eh, oh, well, <laughs> I mean, no more Florence Poog in the movies. So, or Poog, however you say, I don't know how you say that. Pugh, I think. Pugh. Pugh. She's not going to be in the movie anymore, probably. So, well, you were oh, well. <laughs> What's that? You were wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, the character's. Like I cared more about the Einstein character who we saw for like three seconds more as much as I did mo- most of the characters. I, yeah. I don't didn't think very many of them had a very interesting story arc. Obviously it was a movie about Oppenheimer. So he got the whole, the whole story arc and that was very well done. And like I said, Emily Blunt did a great job with what she had with the Kitty Oppenheimer, but Matt Damon was just some army guy and Robert Downey Jr was just some um some uh politician i mean i didn't see any difference between the robert downey jr character and the um uh house of cards um the main character in house of cards Mm. and it, it was just pretty static and and uninteresting i thought the visuals were too much um, it was very, very ambitious, but they sure did cinematography the crap out of this thing with the black and white scenes and the oversaturated scenes and then the the washed out scenes. And uh, it, I had a lot of trouble with that, with the, with all of that going back and forth, and back and forth. And I, I realized it was a storytelling device so that you kind of knew where you were in the story in regards to the other things because we were skipping around in, in time a lot. But it just got to be too much at a certain point. And there was a score going 99% of the time. Like there was always music going. It, the only time there wasn't music going, to my recollection, was when the bomb went off in the test. 
Like, and that was for dramatic. Like that was the, uh, it felt like the red coat and the, that the little girl was wearing in Schindler's list was like, we're being bombarded with music the whole time. And then there's this silence when the bomb goes off for, for dramatic effect. And it was just so much like Dan, you've complained uh, in the past about how the music is telling you how to feel. And I don't know if you felt this way, that way in this one, but it was, I I felt overwhelmed by it. Just the constant, constant uh, barrage of music. Hmm. I I actually liked the, um, the music because I didn't think it was, for the most part, it wasn't uh, super over the top. Uh, I, I guess what I, what I mean is it was, it was striking because it was different sounding, but it, it wasn't, um, it was vague enough in what it was trying to express. And I, you know, your maybe your mileage varies on whether the it's worth it to have the score going to have that moment where the score is not there and really, uh, you know, make that jump out. I thought that worked pretty well. Um, I, yeah, I guess it didn't really bother me that much. I didn't really okay. think about the score other than as this is an interesting sounding score. And I think it helped feel like the movie kept moving forward when it's really a fairly dry examination of ideas and political, you know, maneuverings. Um, broadly speaking, there's, there's uh, only so much visual interest in scientists talking about science until the bomb actually goes off. Mm-hmm. So, I, I understand where you're coming from. I didn't mind the shifting of the uh, the the visual palettes between the periods because it served an obvious purpose of keeping us, letting us know immediately where we were and what time it was, or you know what what year it was. So I but understand the, where you're coming from. The weird from. thing about that, though, it wasn't even consistent throughout the whole movie. Um, like with they're sitting around that table with that big centerpiece, that gets black and white sometimes, and it gets full color other times. And I thought that was really weird because what are we supposed to you know, are we, are we moving into now? This is the current or I, I don't know. It was, it was bizarre and it, it didn't make sense at times. Uh, it's um, been too long for me to remember if there was a, something that tied that together sensibly. Um, you yeah. could be right. That could have been nonsensical. And, and it I've didn't only strike seen me it that once. way at the time. So I, I don't, we'd have to go, I'd have to go watch, watch it again. I only saw it the one time also, Matt, did you find that it was more, uh, engaging or less engaging the second time? Um, it was a little less engaging the second time because I knew a little more what to expect. Mm-hmm. I I loved it both times. We saw it in IMAX one of the times, and um, I didn't think it was worth all the IMAX hype it got, even though it was cool. Well, that was another thing I wanted to, to talk about. Um, Nolan was very, very specific, and this goes back to what you were talking about, Zach, about the control thing. Mm-hmm. But it, the this movie had to be in the theater for a certain amount of time, if I'm not mistaken. Like that was part of his. Yes. Uh, I don't part remember of the details. Yeah. And actually uh, he had a very long lucrative con um, uh, relationship with Warner brothers uh, up until his because last movie, uh, Tenet. Um, right. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, they, I think it started with uh, maybe insomnia in like two early two thousands kept kept on going through you know inception interstellar all that stuff and then it wasn't and then when uh warner brothers made the decision with COVID and everything to do the do tenant both in the theater and uh streaming 
he got really upset with that. And so he, he decided that he was going to cut ties. And so he put this, this movie Oppenheimer up for um, bid and universal pictures um, was the one that got it probably paid a pretty penny. I don't, I don't know what the actual amount was. I'm not sure if it's been divulged, but I bet you it was huge. And, yeah. um, and yeah, so, um, but yeah, it's, it, it, you know, he's got like this, this contract that says this has to be like this, this has to be this, so on and so forth. And so, yeah, it's very much about the control and the way, the way people see it. And, and I get that. I get that you, you have a, a vision, you want to communicate that to your viewers in such a way. But at the same time, I also think that, you know, you have to let them kind of decide how they're going to ingest. I mean, there are going to be people that yes. are going to watch this thing on uh, a cell phone screen, which is, in my opinion, ridiculous. But if that's right. the way they want to do it, then yeah. let them do it. You They'll know? be sitting in the subway, you know, on their way to work, watching Oppenheimer the first half <laughs> on the way and the second half on the way back, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's very frustrating. And he was very vocal, too, about don't don't uh, stream the movie, don't buy it digitally, buy the Blu-rays and all yeah. that stuff. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really frustrating because um, I don't want to have to uh, – that's not where the media is going, first of all. Um, it's just not. The, the future of media is buying it from streaming services and having it in your, in the cloud. And that's how I prefer to enjoy this. Um, Dan, you and uh, Matt both went to the theater, I assume, right? Yeah, yeah, I did. And then Zach, I'm guessing you streamed it. Yes. Did you yep. purchase it or? Uh, no, I did not. I see. I downloaded the 4K. Okay. With HDR, see, we we purchased the uh, the 4K um, through uh, YouTube or whatever. Um, spent the twenty dollars, so saved money there from going to the theater. And we watched it on our couch in our living room without a bunch of annoying people in the theater <laughs> on a perfectly good screen and halfway decent uh, sound system. And I don't think the production was lost for that. Would it have been better on a giant screen with amazing speakers all around? Uh, probably. But would I have enjoyed it more? I don't think I would have. And like you said, it's it's frustrating that he's trying to control that aspect. I I get to choose how I enjoy the art. You get to choose how you make the art, but I should get to choose how I enjoy it. So that's that's kind of where I feel what I feel about that one. Well, you know, I I know where you're coming from, Dave, because that's how you like to to um that that's how a lot of people feel, and and that's great for you. Um, but you can eventually watch it you eventually watched it on streaming yes the way you wanted to right what uh, I, it's the, not like I, he's saying no one's ever allowed to see it on streaming or on a cell phone or on a tablet or whatever no i know and i, I understand that my my problem is that he's going out of his way to tell people not to not to stream it yeah like, and i think that comes from the um the, the how actors and directors and movie studios are trying to grapple with the changes because whether there are consequences to the change to streaming for the people making the art. So DVDs used to be a way for movies like art movies or non, you know, action blockbuster movies to be made because they could, they could make it, make it up on the back end. Mm -hmm. So he's encouraging people to do it that way because that allows for a wider variety of movies to come into existence, to be, to be profitable, which is what the studios decide 
for the most part, how they're going to make the movies. So from his perspective, this makes a lot of sense. I know he's not going to be hurting for money because every movie he's made except for Tenet has been, you know, since Insomnia probably, certainly by Batman Begins, has been incredibly successful. I think he's arguing, and I've heard a few actors make this comment too, which was, well, I don't get to work on the movies I'd like to work on because they're just not getting made anymore. There was a period where DVD sales could justify movies that I was more interested in. But if it's not seen as profitable and that goes away, then you, what you end up with is the streamlining of a uh, of of movies into things that are, you know, more of the superhero movie models that we've been seeing lately. And so for some people, that's great. They're all on board. They're like, that's the movies I want. You know, maybe a majority of people, but I'm not going to begrudge him the pow- using the power he has to try to ask people. I mean, he's, he can't make anybody do anything. Right. Um, if he has the power to to have in his contract, it's got to be in the theater for, say, 90 days before it pops out. Well, let him. He's not he's one of the few that can actually do that. And if he wants to argue, hey, I would love it if you guys um, watch this on DVD instead of streaming it. Well, you don't have to listen to him. In fact, you're definitely not going to listen to him. So I don't think it really affects anything other than offering an idea up, which you know, if you're a big Christopher Nolan fan, you might say, yeah, OK, I'll, I'll do what you what you'd like me to do. But I don't think he's twisting so, anybody's arm. Dan, the the thing is, Christopher Nolan has that power, but all of these small people who are getting affected by this, they don't. So the industry needs to move into a into a way that facilitates them making money through streaming. But like Christopher the most Nolan likely can, results, can do whatever he wants <laughs> yes, uh, but, as, as displayed with this movie. But, be, but but there's no got, guarantee that that will happen, and that just the same kinds what, of movies. Look what get happened made. to the music industry, though. Um, a lot of people said, "No, we're not going to put our stuff on streaming," and then they went away and were never heard from again. And a lot of or record they, companies folded because they refused to to change. Or they eventually did actually relinquish relinquish the rights to to streaming services. Yeah, pretty yeah. much everybody has. Yeah. But also, a lot of those people talk about how little money they make. Um, and that's what to, I'm saying. The, and the old the system industry, was, wasn't the great industry either. Needs so to move to a model that facilitates the way that the consumer wants to pay money. Yeah, and so maybe that, this is just stubbornness, you know, for, look, wanting the old system, which isn't perfect either, of course. But I, I think the people on the inside, the actors and the directors are also seeing what their options are when they try to make make films. So Nolan doesn't have this problem. Maybe he's speaking up for other directors who are, you know, Martin Scorsese has to beg for money to make movies, which is crazy to me because he has such a reputation, you know, and he's not the only one where they're, they're casting about from place to place trying to find someone who's going to make it. So how much money is Killers of the Flower Moon going to make? Uh, probably not that much. And so you might say that that movie shouldn't exist. And maybe you're right if we're, if we're operating in a, a purely capitalistic approach. Um, but at the same time, I will be sad if people can't make movies like that because streamers are past the prestige. I need to show off phase by like Apple TV plus saying, oh, we want Scorsese on our platform. And they've shifted into now. Why don't we do another uh, another Marvel TV series like What If or you know so, Secret Invasion? I, I'm also not worried about Scorsese. I'm worried about the movies like Women Talking and and things like that with you know less than a million dollar budget. Um, 
great, great movies. That was one of the best movies of the year last year, uh, without a doubt. And those are the ones that are that are going to struggle if well, the, I, if the industry doesn't. Agreed, but I I don't know that you're, you're you seem to be implying that those people will all be saved if we just all embrace streaming and that will solve the problem. I don't know that everyone agrees that that's the solution. And I, and I don't, I don't, I'm not on the inside of the industry, but neither are you. So I don't think either of us know exactly what's going to happen. So there will be casualties when the, when the changeover happens and maybe it's inevitable, or maybe there'll be a niche market where you've got, you know, certain types of movies are, are more theater and DVD or DVD, obviously not, but sort of a physical media type thing. And, and then there's a lot of other streaming stuff. I don't know how it's going to shake out, but I'm not going to get mad at the guy for trying to trying to defend, you know, what he sees as a possible loss of opportunity for for the art that, that he likes making. Well, he's also a, um, a visual purist. And so that's a big part of the reason why he he does the IMAX, why he wants people to go see the movie in the theater, because mm-hmm. he wants you to see the best quality possible representation of what what he's making. I, for- I have a comment on that. Oh, OK, <laughs> so Gretchen saw it opening day IMAX um, and the IMAX film was like six miles long or something ridiculous like that. And the film broke and she never saw the ending. Like if you're a visual purist, that's great. But the technology has to be able to deliver your vision then too. Yeah. They had, um, they were telling us at the theater, they're bringing in specialists because there were only so many IMAX films made and Grand Rapids was lucky enough to get one of them. And they had to bring in specialists who could specially handle the film because it was so big and unwieldy. Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah, she never saw the ending of the film the first time because the film huh. broke and then part of the film was lost because it broke. Yeah. So if if you want people to watch your vision, you have to put make it available for them to be able to watch. Yeah. But I mean, that's that's a very uncommon exception. I mean, I don't think that we can say, ah, film I'm, broke once, therefore film is I'm should be burned. You know, no, like, that's not <laughs> what I'm saying at all. I'm saying that this IMAX specially made film. Um, you know, it doesn't deliver his vision because it it was so hard to run it through. I mean, this was yeah. opening day that in it that, broke. In, in that one case, you know, I, I think most of them came out just fine. Again, I, I'm, I'm many, not. But the other thing is, how many theaters are able to facilitate that, Dan? Sure. Uh, wouldn't it be great if every it's, town had an IMAX an, theater in a way? But it, it's an but, elitist uh, thing. Well, maybe, but for me, it's cheaper to go to an IMAX showing than it is to buy it on the way you did. For you with the family, it's not. But for me, I can, I can get out of the IMAX for less than $20, no problem. As long as it doesn't break. As long I will, as it doesn't break. I'll yeah. say this. Um, and I can watch it as many times as I want. Well, I think I only want to watch it the one time, so I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) And if I I wanted to watch it more, I'd buy buy the DVD or the Blu-ray, you know? I don't know. Again, I'm not saying that you're wrong. I'm just saying it's not completely black and white. Like, (laughs) I think there's space for both things. Um, So if he wants to argue to defend that, I'm not not going to get mad at him. Things can't be in the theater, Dan. 
it just it's very frustrating when the producer says that you gives you the impression that he's looking down on you if you don't watch it in the theater. Well, what do you care what he has to say about it? You, got, you, you know how you feel about it already. I care about Christopher Nolan's opinion of me. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> anyway, let's let's move on from this. Well, I think oh, can, I, can I, I finish? Can I, I think my. Go ahead. Go ahead. My my point. Uh, so the whole Wait, reason why he point? was pushing. Yeah, I did. Um, <laughs> there was the whole reason why he was pushing the four the the four K or you know Blu Ray or whatever whatever is because the bit rate on the discs is much much higher than what you will ever get from streaming. So from a technical oh, right. point of view, it's going to look way way better watching it that way than it's going to look uh, on the streaming, and that's partly the the differences in the technologies but it's also because since covid they've been reducing the amount or they reduced and held at the amount of the bitrate of what these these streaming movies can actually be um shown pushed over the network partly because of covid but partly because it saves them money so if they would up the bitrate and make it look better then you would actually get a closer representation to what he's what he's trying to uh, achieve and so that's why he wants everybody to go and watch it on the disc because he knows that the disc is always going to look better than than the streaming that was the point well, i was going to make make a blu-ray player that i can plug into my phone while i'm sitting in the subway I will consider that. Spend okay. a lot of time in the subway, Dave. All the time. I was just about to ask that. <laughs> that Grand Rapids is bringing a subway. I'm all in for it. That's right. <laughs> well, I, well I'll, I'll just say this. I think we can all agree that uh, Christopher Nolan's mildly insufferable, regardless of whether we Without feel agree doubt. with him on that on that uh, case or not. But <laughs> thank you for making Batman, though. Um, anyway, uh, Oscar nominations. What do we think this is going to get? Um, is uh, what's his name? Uh, Cillian. Is he going to get nominated for best actor? Oh yeah, I yeah, think so. I, I think I think yeah. it's gonna I think it's gonna be one of the one of the big ones. I think it's gonna get nominated for probably about ten to fifteen different different awards. Do we um, think Killian, uh, Yes, I think Robert Downey for supporting. I think okay. Emily Blunt for supporting. Yep. I think Emily Blunt more than Robert Downey. I, I mean, maybe, but that didn't. You think she'll get supporting? Not lead. Well, I think the screen time would justify supporting, but she, they may put her in for lead and then it becomes a little trickier, I think. But I guess we'll see. I think that's a little bit of strategy yeah. involved. I I don't really know how how the what the distinction is made. I, I, I didn't really feel like I mean, I guess I guess she was the, the female lead in this, but I didn't really think, feel like she was enough of a, a focal point for for yeah, that to be lead actress not really yeah. a, a female lead kind of movie honestly <laughs> no, no there wasn't much room for female characters in fact they felt uh, a little crammed in that um, that being said that the the scene where she testifies um towards the end yeah uh absolutely like she should win just based on that i just loved yeah. how like forceful yeah. and to the point and how there was this like subtle mm -hmm. emotion under on a subtle and not so subtle emotion motion going on while she was giving her um testimony yep. i thought she that was, was a really powerful scene she was one of the few characters that i felt had a true um true arc and true development as the story went on uh, mm -hmm. despite the lack of screen time i don't i don't think they gave her a ton of stuff to do other than being long suffering. Um, but I will say she absolutely maximized everything they, they, they let her do. Um, there's no doubt about that. I do think where it's really going to get is the, um, the technical things like oh, the, the cinematography, yes. the editing, the, the, the costume, the, 
the set construction, all that stuff. Yeah. And I do think Best Picture is, is very likely, especially with the 10 nominations. Do yeah. you think the, uh, the he'll get nominated for director or screenplay? Uh, most likely both. Yep. I don't know. I don't think he should for screenplay, but uh, but I don't that's think my so opinion. for screenplay either. Maybe director um, with the like like you said with uh, ten nominations, Dan. Yeah, best picture it should be nominated, but mm-hmm. um, I don't think the writing was good enough for for me. I didn't care enough about the characters. Yeah, it wasn't a. Uh... Yeah, I, I agree. I, it was hard to really care about the characters, and it's funny you mentioned the. Um the uh, Einstein thing. It's funny about that is that's one of the very few absolutely invented things. It's a very, yes. very fanciful thing, that. Yep. But, <laughs> but that, that's entirely made up, <laughs> but, it, yeah. but it was effective. <laughs> it was intriguing. Yeah. Right. It was, a, it was a question that sort I, of like lingered through the movie. Yeah. I cared what he and Einstein talked about, you know, that mm-hmm. was something that they, they got my interest about. Um, I didn't care about his involvement with the communist party um, or lack thereof or, or where, where that fit and everything. Um, but I did care what he said, what he and I talked about. Well, I do think we, we asked why the movie exists or, or who cares basically like it's all telling us stuff we already know. I think one of the things that was interesting to learn about was the sort of interplay and the, and the sort of trying to make, trying to like agree with the with the government officials and the scientists on what's acceptable for sharing what's acceptable for your past party affiliations whether you can be trusted i thought that was interesting and something i never really thought about what we did not get a whole lot of is the japanese viewpoint but he's not japanese and you know maybe that's a story that should be told by you know a japanese director anyway um because we we'd only be guessing um, we, 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 we were less likely to have lived or, or, or known people who lived the experience. So, um, so there was some interest, but I'm not that excited to watch it a second time. I'll, I'll say that much. Yeah. If you want more content like this, you can find everything we've done at 64tacos.com. And if you really liked it, you can, uh, help us financially by going to buymeacoffee.com slash 64tacos and you can buy a taco. Thanks for listening. I caught it on audio. 